Hello and welcome to Case Reopened, the number one detective Conan rewatch podcast. Mainly because nobody else is dumb enough to do such an endeavor. But we are, and we're here, and I'm your host, Tyler Trees. Heck yeah, we are. Heck yeah, says Colleen. How are you today? How's it? Excited to talk about the Metropolitan Police Detective Love Story. Oh, absolutely. Or as I like to call this episode, Poor Takagi. You know, I, I wasn't sure if you would enjoy this because it was Takagi heavy, or if you'd hate it because he he likes somebody that's not named Colleen. <laughs> uh, I love this episode for the t- the Takagi factor, um, and I'm I'm all for all of the Goshoyama pairings, so I'm I'm fine with it. <laughs> so you're gonna be really excited when Kenan ends up with uh with High Bear. That's not happening. Okay. <laughs> Let's not even go in that direction. Before we get started, I want to thank some of the uh, patrons that have been supporting us. We recently launched a Patreon, and we're quite thankful for the support. I want to give a shout-out to Big Jeffrey. I don't know why I say... I just want to add Big to Jeffrey. It's a fun name. Oh, okay. That's not a specific request. No. He didn't put in, like, every time you refer to me, you must say Big Jeffrey. (laughs) No, uh, he probably doesn't even like to be referred to as Big Jeffrey. Maybe Little Jeffrey? I don't know, that might be disrespectful. What about, like, Medium? Medium Jeffrey. Medium-sized Jeffrey. Alright, shout out to... (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Medium-sized Jeffrey. We do have Big Chief Mason. Shout out to Ryan, Spencer, William, and uh, everybody else that's supporting us. We appreciate it so much. Mostly... Medium-sized Jeffrey. What about, um... Oh, I don't want to sound rude. Our, uh... Patron from Germany. Uh, shout out to Lynn. There you go. Yeah, shout out to her. You know, she had some very helpful advice on our... About our dub episodes. She was not big on the Agasa accent. She said it did not sound very German. Yes, we got it confirmed, so... That it's... <laughs> not good. Take that, Funimation. So we're here to talk about this two-parter here. It's the very first Metropolitan Police Detective love story. This kind of like a little sub-series in the anime. There's a bunch of these, like 11. So it's it's all about the police, and they're all horny, Colleen. Apparently. Like, I don't know why they're called love stories. They have like a little smidgen of love, maybe? Maybe that's why? It's filled with lust. And sexual tension. I don't know what you're talking about, Colin. <laughs> Did we watch the same episode? I think so. We watched uh, episode 146, the Metropolitan Police Detective Love Story Part 1. This originally aired on May 24th, 1999. The hint going into this episode was exercise bike. Have you ever had an exercise bike, Colin? No. I've used one, but never owned one. Why not? Um, Space. Issues. Don't you want to get fit? Nope. Come no, on. I want to be a fat blob. <laughs> okay, that's a choice. I respect <laughs> it. Conan introduces the episode by saying, Today's stage is the police headquarters. Police officers are people too. They're always busy with cases. <laughs> They're people too. <laughs> They're people. They're not pigs. They're people. Thank you, Conan. Gee, he just blew my mind there. The episode kicks off with the detective boys and Professor Gasa arriving at the police headquarters. Itsuhiko calls it the parent to all of Japan's police, and Ayumi is visibly excited about visiting. 
Agasa reminds him they are only there because they are witnesses to the Blue Castle case, which were episode 137 and 138. We're on 146. There's been like seven cases since then, and they're just now getting around to interviewing. This seems like a quite the delay, doesn't it? Um, Yeah, Conan had time to go to, where were they going? Hokkaido? On the train or something? <laughs> so, like, they've been taking their sweet time with this investigation. It was probably back to back on the manga. It's just weird that the anime put, like, all this space between the two episodes when they're supposed to take place, like, one after another. It's just a really odd choice. Yeah, um, but that that's what happens when you get, like, anime originals in between things. And uh, they did rearrange a lot of cases. I don't know why, though, but, um, yeah. Conan says they're not here for a picnic, and Ayumi calls him out on that, revealing that Conan was excited and wanted to hear all about the unsolved cases. As Takagi approaches, Hibera suddenly says she's going home and tells them to relay her statements in her absence. But uh, I guess she's a fan of Takagi, too, because she saw him and she's like, you know what? Maybe I'll come along after all. Wow, Hibera has taste. Oh, see, you two do think identical to one another. Because I could see you wanting to blow that off. But then you see Takagi and you're like, well, I guess I can stay around. (laughs) I have some time to kill as I twirl my hair. The kids are shocked to find the officer's quarter is uh, absolutely neat and very empty as they expected it to be filled with cigarette smoke and scary middle-aged men that would glare at them. What What a specific thing to expect scary middle-aged men and of course the police station is what uh causes fear and not the fact that they've witnessed all these murders in their you know short little lives takagi says they've watched too many police dramas and says to look at him as he's an officer ayumi whispers to the others that he doesn't look strong mitsuhiko agrees saying he couldn't apprehend a criminal and kenta says takagi is definitely not popular with the women (laughs) talking about i love this scene it was funny but it was also like it grinded my gears i was like leave takagi alone well i agree he's not a ladies man uh total dork and you have to be an absolute loser to be into that guy (laughs) takagi is a sweet sweet cinnamon bun and i just want the world for him gasa asks where megari is as they came at his request and takagi reveals that the inspector is working on a bank robbery case Turns out that 200 million yen was stolen in the Haido area three days ago. Megari's wife Midori was inside the bank when it happened and was wounded by the criminals that pushed her around, so it's a personal case for him. As they're about to give their testimony, Ayumi points out that the button on Takagi's cuff is falling off. Haibara says that his collar isn't well cleaned, and Mitsuhiko says his shirt is wrinkled. This causes Ayumi to ask the biggest question, Takagi, you don't have a girlfriend, do you? <laughs> And they're all shocked. And Agasa offers to introduce Takagi to his sister's granddaughter. So you've got two main competitors for your affection, Colleen. You have Sato and you have Agasa's sister's granddaughter. I also didn't know he had a sister. Yeah. uh, Can't wait to meet her in, you know, 900 episodes plus. And also the fact that his sister has a granddaughter kind of goes back to the joke of how Agasa's always like, I'm too old to be considered your grandfather, but obviously not. Well, maybe it's an older sister. Yeah, but like, Agasa's not young either. Think about it. I mean, he could still have a kid. He's cool. 
Takagi says there's no need for that and that he likes somebody already. And that's when Sato walks in. She's the female officer that was introduced back in episodes 130 and 131, the stadium bomber case. We're getting lots of throwbacks. Yeah, we are. We definitely are. Genta asks who Sato is, and Ayumi wonders why Takagi is blushing. Mitsuhiko then guesses that Sato is Takagi's lover, and Genta wonders if it's okay to bring your lover to work. So I must ask you, Colleen, do you think it's okay to bring your lover to work? Um, hmm. So, if the lover works in the same place, I mean, that complicates things, doesn't it? One of you would have to quit. <laughs> um, so I would say they're in the same workplace. Would you quit your job to be with Takagi? Yes. Oh. No hesitation. <laughs> Sata introduces herself as a member of the violent crime unit. The kids are impressed by her, and Takagi explains that they're the witnesses. Ayumi then remembers Sato from the stadium case where she was undercover, and says it was awesome when she was taking down the criminal. Sato thanks the kids for their help, but she tells them that justice isn't something you can just proclaim. It's a feeling you should keep near to your heart. She seemed like a bit of a, a tryhard in front of the kids. Yeah, but Sato's like that. Um... I mean, we haven't seen much of her yet, but she does kind of go off into, like, you know, police pride speeches. Takagi asks why she isn't investigating the robbery, and she says that she received a call from the bank's manager last night who told her to meet with him and his wife here at 2. The wife was present at the robbery and had a gun held to her head by a criminal. Takagi says that's odd, as the bank's manager's wife called him last night and told him that she remembered something about the criminal and that she'd be there at five by herself. Sato says the bank manager mentioned that and said that he's afraid the criminal might attack his wife, so that's why he's coming over with her early. So we're already, like, uh, this already seems fishy, where they have two different appointments set up. You just know something's off here. Yeah. Sato then asks Takagi if Yumi from the traffic department has told him anything. She says that she was drinking with Yumi last night and told her something, but can't remember what. Takagi says she hasn't really said anything to him, but he's lying. And we get a flashback of Yumi telling Takagi that Sato likes somebody in the first division and that it could be him. I wonder if these lovebirds will ever be with each other, Colin. Who knows? We're gonna have to watch and find out. The bank manager, Masuo Kaizo, then arrives, but he's without his wife, Keo. Kaizo then says that he had something to do at the bank, so he told his wife to meet him here. He wonders if she's still sleeping and uses the phone to call her. Remember when you had to ask to use the phone when everybody didn't have a cell phone? What a different time. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> like, even when you went over to your friend's house, like, oh, can I use the phone to call my parents? Yeah. I don't think kids are doing that anymore. Hibera notes that he's looked at his watch three times since entering, and the wife picks up the phone. Kaya is on an exercise bike, and Takagi is then handed the phone. She's confused as to why they called, since the, the appointment is at five, and that she wasn't told about the two o'clock meeting. The husband then grabs the phone out of Takagi's hand quite forcefully uh, to ask his wife what she's saying, and Takagi accidentally puts the phone on speaker. That's when they hear the wife scream, and Takagi takes the phone back and gets no answer when he asks what's wrong. This guy seemed super guilty from the very beginning. Okay, so it was obvious to you too. Like, maybe... I don't think they were trying to be all mysterious about the culprit at all. 
No, no, definitely not. Sato tells Takagi to prepare the mobile team as she'll get the car ready. After she runs off, the kids notice that Conan's gone. We then see Sato driving with the bank manager and Takagi is in a red car. Takagi asks if the bank manager has noticed anything suspicious. He says that his wife saw someone suspicious outside their home last night and Sato fears that they wanted to silence his wife. Takagi suggests it might be a petty thief, but Conan suddenly speaks up and says that since she was on the phone with the police, she would have just shouted thief if that was the case. So what do you think about, I mean, it was kind of expected because Conan does this all the time, but him sneaking into the police vehicle, what a funny kid. Oh, I loved it. Um, I felt like, thank goodness he did that because I did not want to deal with the detective boys in this episode. Wow. Why are, you, why are you hating on the detective boys? <laughs> I'm a little salty at them for being so mean to Takagi. I know they were just teasing, but I was like, okay, I'm done with these kids for now. Let's move on. Sounds like this is why Kyle doesn't get on the podcast anymore. Due to this detective <laughs> boy slander. Oh my gosh, it might be. I mean, I'm just putting... I know, he's such a fanboy. I'm just connecting the dots. Takagi asks what they should do about Conan sneaking in the car, and Sato says there's no time to head back as they have to check on the wife. Sato tells Conan not to bite his tongue as she speeds to the house. Oh, she's so cool. They enter the house, and the husband points the two officers upstairs and says he'll check the hall downstairs. Conan notices a circle of glass missing in the window and wonders if somebody broke in. Kaizo then speaks up, having found his wife dead with a knife in her back. Conan finds the husband's reaction odd, as the wife's body is in clear sight, and it took him a bit of a time to alert them. Conan also finds it odd that she was attacked over the phone, as the attacker's voice could have been heard, and they can reach aid during that moment. He also finds how the husband acted at the police station strange, and wonders if he planned the murder. But, you know, he was right there. How could he commit a murder if he's with the police, you know? Yeah, perfect alibi. It, it couldn't be some elaborate trick involving an exercise bike we learn that the wife is 42 so she probably just died from hot flashes that's right as we learned last week oh no i can't tell if that was <laughs> the regular episode the... it'll be in the future oh, from darn. now it'll that'll, that'll release after this <laughs> okay so <laughs> you guys you have to come back after you watch that or listen to that episode to get this reference man okay that's gonna be confusing. yeah nobody will get it no. yeah so <laughs> That's how you know podcast good when nobody gets the jokes. Awesome. So there's no sign of a struggle, so the wound must have been fatal. And that's when we're introduced to the extremely ugly Detective Yamamoto and the scruffy Detective Kabayashi. They're both on the case since Megari is busy. And boy, we really are introduced to, like, the D-Squad here. <laughs> They're just two dorks. I can't believe you actually said the extremely ugly Detective Yamamoto. Did you see him? He's the ugliest person I've ever seen. I feel like... He's like the only person with like a big old schnoz on him. Well, yeah. Like just an odd looking fellow. So maybe Oyama got too much flack for um, drawing everybody the same. So he's like, let's just totally change this guy up. Yeah, I don't think he... He's so ugly. I don't think he does that to anybody else. Hopefully not. And then Kebayashi has never... I don't know. He he just looks homeless. He does. These guys are not having good. He's, he's like hollow-cheeked. Yeah, he looks like he just got off of like a heroin bender, you know? Yeah. They get filled in on the case details by Sato, and that's when Conan points out that the wife was likely riding the aerobic bike while on the phone since there's sweat on her body and shirt. 
Takagi tells Conan that the crime scenes are no place for children, but Sato is impressed, and she asks for his name. Conan introduces himself as a detective, of course. <laughs> so cute. I'm sorry. That doesn't get old, for me at least. Takagi mentions that he lives with Koguro. Sato encourages him to become a police officer, and that's when Yamamoto and Kobayashi leave to speak with the neighbors to see if there was a witness. So that's their huge involvement. They kind of show up for 20 seconds, and then they're like, let's get these ugly people out of the scene. (laughs) Hey, someone had to do it because Takagi was going to stay in the room as a focal point in this episode. Usually it's Takagi that's running around talking to all the neighbors and whatnot. That's true. Very true. Sato tells them to check the residence as well, as it might have been related to money. But then Inspector Sheratori appears, and he says that this case isn't related to greed. Instead, the criminal's target was to take the woman's life. So this is the first time we've seen uh, Sheratori in the anime. We've previously seen him in both of the films. Uh, He's the very, like, rich and pompous inspector. Yeah, he's very classy. He knows his wine and architecture. We must point out that since the films, he has been promoted from secondary inspector to a full inspector and he points this out like 50 times during the episode (laughs) yeah you're not allowed to forget that i love how he didn't get a flashback or anything to the movies when sato did when she was actually in the show first introduced in the stadium case but for sure tori's introduction we're just supposed to assume that you know everyone's seen the movies so they know who this guy is well he's a big deal he's a full inspector now and he's taking over the case Sato says that Shiratori is adept at fawning and getting promotions, and she then asks to assist in the investigation. He says that's fine, and Takagi fears that Sato likes Shiratori, even going so far to imagine them like in this hugging stance, embracing each other. What do you think about this one true pairing, Shiratori x Sato? <laughs> no, no, no. What about yes? I just felt bad for Takagi, but it was super funny too, like seeing him all flustered. I like the pairing. I think that'd be a cute couple. Shiratori and Sato? Yeah. Don't you think Sato deserves the the luxuries of a rich life? But, okay, let's get to the end of the episode because we find out something about her tastes and why she wouldn't be a good match with Shiratori. She she has no taste. That's what we learn. I think she has great taste. (laughs) Yeah, but you're also also the kid that uh, pairs... Conan with Suzuki or whatever her name is. What's her name? Suzu, please. Suzu. Do not change Suzu's name. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Now I'm offended. I'm, I'm getting worked up on this podcast. Oh, well, that's what it's all about. But the both of us just get super worked up over these characters, these fictional characters, and then we duke it out. You ever think about how Takagi doesn't even know you exist because he doesn't exist? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> think about that for a bit. Okay. I don't know if I'll be able to continue. Takagi berates himself mentally for getting distracted during work, and Sato asks Shiratori how he knows this isn't a theft. Shiratori says it's due to the scream. A thief wouldn't attack someone on the phone, as he would have had to flee immediately. Plus, the victim mentioned she was on the phone with the police, which is why she was murdered. So the criminal must be one of the two bank thieves. We then learn that Megari's wife volunteered to be the second hostage midway through. We see that Megari is not the only brave one in their family, yeah. Colin. And we eventually meet his wife, so... Um, she rocks. She does. She doesn't get a lot of appearances, at least not the episodes I've seen so far, but yeah, from this, I have mad respect for the woman. 
The husband says his wife told him about a foreigner, and Shiratori tells Takagi to contact headquarters and tell them that one of the robbers is foreign. <laughs> I'm sorry, this didn't really play a part in the episode. I don't know why. Like, maybe, was it meant to be like... I thought we just had some random racist plot. <laughs> it was one of them damn foreigners, I tell you. Like, is it meant to be that we were, <laughs> like, they were um, easier to find because one of them was a foreigner? Anyways. Well, I think he's just making up stuff to mislead the police. So they're not going in the right direction. Oh, okay. Conan then speaks up and says it's strange that there's only two meters behind the exercise bike and no door behind it. He wonders why the criminal would attack from that direction. Shiratori actually recognizes Conan and says he's always following Mori around as a little detective. Oh, little tiny detective. Little baby detective. Baby Shinichi. Oh, no. Don't. <laughs> Don't say it. <laughs> I'm going to be all giggly. Sate says she didn't know Conan was famous, and that's when Takagi imagines Sate having a child with Shiratori, and she has this little baby in her arms, and Takagi just starts hitting himself in the head. He seems insane. He's a basket case, Colleen. <laughs> oh, he's distraught. Poor boy. He's having a mental breakdown. You can't even deny it. Oh, I'm crying for Takagi. <laughs> I'm not crying. Why are you crying? No, 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 I'm not. Sounds like you're crying. I don't know. I just feel so bad for him. I want his love to work out. Sato tells Conan that if you're stabbed in the back, the attack doesn't always originate from behind. She says it was possible. She saw the victim and was about to flee when she was stabbed. Conan says if that's true, her body would be further away from the exercise bike. It also notes that the phone is just inches away from her and that there should be traces of sweat if she fell elsewhere. The criminal also has no reason to move the bike, so this all makes sense. Sheratori then asks the bank manager if his wife always rides the bike at this time, and he confirms that she does at 2pm all the time. While he's always required to leave early for work, she has been out drinking with friends lately, and usually wakes up around noon. <laughs> what a lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, she sounds like a peach. Are you saying she deserved to be murdered, Colleen? No, I mean, no, some of these characters are real, real jackasses, but I don't know, she was just kind of, never mind, I don't know. I thought she was perfect wifey material, and if any of our female listeners want to wake up around noon, hit me up. Well, there's your weekly wife hunt. (laughs) It hasn't been going well, Colleen. Did you know, out of all these pleas, nobody's reached out to me. I find that hard to believe. Come on. Maybe you have your DMs closed or something. They're, they're very open, and it's very sad. Ladies, what are you doing? Sheratori says the criminal was hiding on the shelf behind the curtain. Ah. says the criminal was hiding on the shelf behind the curtain and pulls it back to find very few books on the top three shelves. Sato points out that this curtain is a different color from the rest. And Kaizo says that it was meant to modify the color scheme and was just installed. I don't know about you, but I've never put curtains over my bookcase. I, I just love this idea that, like, mismatching something in your room is modifying the color <laughs> scheme. That's like me wearing an outfit that clashes and I'm just like, no, no, no. See, this shirt modifies the color it's scheme. It's called fashion. You wouldn't understand. It's called fashion. <laughs> Sheratori says that an adult could easily hide there if they removed two shelves. And this, this is such a funny thing to think about. This dude just hiding in a this tiny little... It did not seem big enough to hold somebody. Like, I kind of get it if he removed the shelves. But where are these books going? This, 
This didn't seem too logical. Well, this was the dumbest part of the episode for me, and we talked a little bit about this off air. Okay, so Shiratori's demonstrating how these shelves move, right? But he's talking about the shelves that have no books on them. And then later on in the actual, like, imaginary culprit plot, the culprit's on the bottom shelves where there are seemingly no books, and but in reality there are. So I didn't really understand what Shiratori was getting at. Like, I'm not picturing a culprit, you know, perched up on one of the shelves waiting to attack this woman. <laughs> I am. I think that was pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious, but not realistic the killer was perched there he observed the woman's schedule and he was perched there while she slept once she was on the bike he attacked her however it didn't go fully as planned as she called the police so they quickly committed the crime and fled sato buys the deduction but conan has a major problem with it and says to himself that the bank manager is the killer and that's how the episode ends uh, this wasn't really the strongest uh like cliffhanger We've had a lot better two-parter kind of cliffhangers. First of all, we kind of already thought the bank manager was the killer. So it wasn't like some big bombshell, because like, who else is there? There's no other <laughs> like uh, people that's been introduced. Unless it's sheer Tory. Yeah, I thought this was kind of a weak uh, cliffhanger, but I still like the episode overall. What would you think about the episode? Yeah, same. I, I agree with you. Um, I, I liked... Uh, I mean, I'll I'll get to my thoughts at the very end, but yeah, for now, I think it was a decent first part, um, but you're right, like, we know who the killer is, now it's just a matter of figuring out what happened with this bookcase. The next Conan's hint is bookshelf, and Conan says, next is the finale, and we hear Takagi say, Sato-san, tell me it isn't true. Oh. What a loser. It's okay, it'll all work out, Takagi. I hope it doesn't. Why do you hate love? I think it's love that hates me, Colleen. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> we move on to episode 147, Metropolitan Police Detective Love Story Part 2. This originally aired May 31st, 1999. Kind of introduces the case by saying, Many puzzles remain. It's the same as the love story. That's unfortunate for a certain officer. ha <laughs> ha. It's Takagi. Three sentences that make no sense. <laughs> well, there were many puzzles that remaining in the case. There were many puzzles remaining in the love story. And that's unfortunate for Takagi. That makes sense to me. See, why didn't you translate this episode? Hey, that's why I'm an editor. I can't translate, but I can clean it up to make it make a little more sense. Two police officers come into the room and they tell Shiratori that all jewelry and valuables are untouched. Seemingly confirming that it wasn't a robbery. Shiratori then tells them to visit the neighbors to see if they noticed anything suspicious the past couple of days. Then tells them about his promotion and asks if it's understood. He's like, boys, you will not refer to me as a second inspector. I am THE inspector. Oh my gosh. Like, I guess this was supposed to be a glimpse into Shiratori's personality. Um, or maybe it was just the fact that, okay, Megari's not around, so we need an actual inspector to kind of head up the case, but I don't know, it just became really comical. <laughs> like, Well, he's the inspector. Yeah, That's correct. Don't you forget it. Conan tries to explain the flaw in Sheratori's logic, but Sheratori tells him that he'll arrange for a ride to take Conan back instead. However, Takagi speaks up. Your boy getting his, his shining moment here. What do you think about Takagi? Speaking truth to power. Oh, it was awesome. Like, where in the first episode, he was just getting beaten down from 
every angle. Takagi steps up here and he's like, wait, no. And then says basically what Conan's thinking. I was so proud of him. Yeah, Takagi asked why the killer restored the bookshelf to its original condition if he knew the police were coming. Sato agrees. And then Detective Yokoyama appears saying he found a strange photo album in the victim's room. Yokoyama shows that there's circles on some of the pictures. And Kaizu quickly takes the album away and says that his wife used to leave little marks and that he always told her that she was hindering the photos. What a funny quirk. She liked to draw circles on faces. A totally normal thing. <laughs> this guy's like the dumbest <laughs> culprit ever. I don't know. No, he's okay. I mean, he's trying to make this up on the fly. It's just that one was like, okay, nobody does that, dude. Conan is now certain that Kaizo is the criminal, but he does have an alibi since he was with the police when the murder happened. And then see Kaizo reach into his pocket, appear to hurt his finger, and then he sucks on it. Yeah, because that's not obvious. What do you think about this finger sucking? <laughs> huh? What was that? <laughs> Those finger sucking! This is, like, ugh, complete with sound effects. Like, I'm just... <laughs> Well, we're an audio podcast. Like, me putting my finger in my mouth wouldn't have done anything. But I feel like I really conveyed it through that perfect rendition of finger-sucking I'm sorry, noises. I would have thought it was a more silent activity. Well, we're, we're, we're in an audio medium. We gotta make some noise for the finger-sucking. The people at home need to hear the man. <laughs> That's what you think. Pucker oh up. Gosh. That's just like you and Kyle and Sonico. <laughs> <laughs> What, her tummy? Yeah. You got something to say about the finger sucking? No, I'm good. Shiratori says the killer had the high ass to do it. <laughs> I'm thinking about her tummy hurt. <laughs> My tummy's sonical. <laughs> Sorry, we're an audio podcast, though. <sighs> You've completely derailed the podcast by mentioning that. Oh my god. Mission accomplished. That's so funny. Shiratori says the killer had to hide in the bookcase as it's not like the knife flew out on its own. That remark helps Conan solve the case because he goes, What if the knife did fly out on its own? I'm sorry, but Conan thinking this, like, like this is like a, would have been a really good Kogoro moment, and he missed it. Conan finds string attached to the exercise bike as evidence. He crawls up the bookshelf to find a small blood stain, but he says something else is missing. He then remembers Kaizu's finger and understands the case completely. I think at this point, Conan also, like, did the most badass smirk, and I got all excited. <laughs> He also keeps glaring at Kaizu throughout this episode, which is really funny. Yeah. I mean, okay, I didn't mention this earlier, but Conan could have had this thing figured out if he just followed Kaizu from the beginning. Because Kaizu had to, like, clean up the bookcase anyways. But no, Conan had to get distracted with that yeah. circle in the window. Window. Hmm. There's a circle here. Huh. <laughs> huh. Shiratori tells Takagi to take Conan back to Kogoro. And then notices Conan making a knife out of paper. And he's like, what the hell are you doing, kid? And he's like, I'm doing origami. Duh. <laughs> Duh. I think, didn't, doesn't Shiratori go like, origami? 
Conan then asks Sato how to hold a knife when stabbing somebody. She demonstrates how, and Conan says the knife being sideways in the victim's body is weird. Also, the victim's body just being there the entire time is weird. What do you mean? Well, I know they can't like move her or cover her up or anything. It's just like they're deliberating over what happened, and she's just lying on the floor there. So she was there the entire time. Maybe her ghost was helping Takagi solve this case. Um, I, yeah. Or maybe just Conan's clues, like always. Shiratori says she should have been attacked with the knife vertically. However, Shiratori says the culprit must have attacked the victim from behind, and then he put her knees on her after she was knocked to the floor and stabbed her. Which is like, okay, this dude like, will jump through any logic loops to prove he's right here. He's very determined to not be proved wrong. Well, as the first inspector, he's the one who has to solve this thing. Conan tells Shiratori that he's so smart, but it didn't happen this way. <laughs> he was such a dagger. Oh, nice. Nice pun. Uh, I, I wasn't trying to do that. Conan <laughs> <laughs> explains that she would have tried to escape if she was on the floor, and there's no trace of nearby sweat. Conan also says the phone looks odd, and Sato remarks that it's strange that the culprit didn't cut the phone line. Takagi then mentions that the living room door was locked, which isn't something the criminal would have done if he left in a hurry. Brilliant. Good job, Takagi. You're just going to do that every time he speaks. You're going to be like, perfect deduction. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to do it for anyone you can, else. <laughs> you can solve this case. <laughs> Sato also wonders how the criminal entered as the windows are all still locked and attached. Conan taunts Shiratori by saying the case is getting more and more peculiar. The little detective then glares at Kaizu, insists that he believes the victim was alone here, and he just eyeballs the dude. The dude glances back and he's like, what are you looking at me for, huh? <laughs> oh, gosh. Sato agrees with Conan and says they'll have to investigate the room thoroughly. Conan points out the string on the exercise bike's pedals. Conan unwinds it and shows that there's a loop at the end of it. Kaizu then says he knows where the string is from. You see, half a year ago, my friend's child was in the room, and he was playing with some string, because God, we know he didn't have any toys, just <laughs> give him some string, you know? And they uh, wrapped it around there, and, you know, we never fixed it. We, just, we use this bike every day, but why fix it? You know, they, they, he, he put the string there. Totally believable. Case closed. Takagi has an epiphany and suggests the knife was at the top of the bookshelf, held by tape, and connected to the string. With it behind the curtain, she would eventually tip it over, and the knife would hit her. Sato agrees. She's like just as yes woman as you, Colin. She's like, oh, Takagi, great deduction. Go, Takagi. Takagi. Nothing wrong with that. Go, Takagi. Oh, gosh. I'm so excited. She says that there's another shelf of books to the right of it, and it couldn't fall any other way. Shiratori argues that the bike would have reacted to the increasing weight. Asato corrects him by saying that aerobic bikes have a strong resistance, so as long as she kept going the same speed, she would have been fine. Yeah, so shut up, Shiratori. Shut up, Shiratori. We're <laughs> Team Takagi all the way. <laughs> Shiratori mentions that the bookshelf wasn't on the body when they found it. Takagi says there's only one person that could have performed this trick. Kaizu. That's the husband. What? Act shocked. I'm... <laughs> what? What just happened? How is it that guy... He had an answer for everything. Sato says that he knew his wife would exercise every day at 2 p.m., which is why he made the police appointment for then. He used the police for an alibi and made sure that one of the officers talked to her. He also diverted them upstairs when they entered the house so that he could fix the bookshelf. We just talk how inept 
Takagi and Sate are. Like they <laughs> think like a murderer might be there, and they just go, "Okay, he can he can handle the whole downstairs." <laughs> it was we're both gonna it go was upstairs. horrible. Like it was so obvious because he's like, "Oh, go upstairs!" Like, what police officer does that? Well, the one that you think so cool, calling that's it. Yeah, and the one like the woman he loves. So like they're they're the perfect pairing. They can be idiots together upstairs. Kazu denies the crime and says that if any officers came before him, they would have seen the knife and the bookshelf together. Conan notes that the top shelf is tightly packed with books and says the knife was actually in the gap between the books and the top of the bookshelf. That way no tape was needed and it would fall easier since it was so top-heavy. Kaizu argues that his wife would have seen the knife if it was there. Conan then places magazines on the top of the shelf and it helps cover up the knife. Takagi states that she wouldn't notice it then and it explains why the victim was stabbed sideways. If it was found that way, the police would assume it was just knocked over during a struggle between the victim and the killer. In a last-ditch attempt at proving his innocence, Kaizu brings up the string and says the police would discover the trick in a moment if it was connected to the curtain. He says that the police have no evidence against him, and that's when Conan brings up his injured finger that he was sucking on. (laughs) Only the best graphic sound effects on this podcast. Police ask to see what Kaizu has in his pocket, and Shiratori says there should be nails and tape inside, stained with the victim's blood. So... We see that Shiratori actually has a very sharp mind once he's like, he's like, okay, I was wrong. Let me apply my brain to like your theory. And he's able to go like two steps ahead of everybody. But you also like, you learn a lot about the character just through this one moment because we also have seen just how smug he is and how like thick headed he is. Like his mind can't be changed. And like he was using that intellect to come up with ways why he was still right before. But uh, it's nice to see him change and have that little bit, okay, I, I, I'll admit I'm wrong, I'll go with yours and help out with the case. I thought that was a, a nice moment. No, yeah, that's a really stand-up thing to do. Like, as soon as he's on the right path, then he can sort of play ball with all of them and keep going in, in that uh, direction. Um, I keep flip-flopping with Shiratori because, as you said, he's kind of like... Um, kind of arrogant and snobby and whatnot but he's not um and and it might be the drawing style like the way he's animated he's not they don't do it in a comical way like he's so deadpan and shiratori has very like slight comedic moments like there's one at the very end of this episode but it's almost like i can't even uh it's not like kogro where you know his arrogance is sort of like really um, exaggerated for sure Tori's just like that's who he is you're not supposed to find it funny so I don't know sure uh, Tori like I'm sort of like on the fence about sometimes but um, I do appreciate these moments where he can um, have his intellect shine Sato says wow sure Tori you're so much smarter than Takagi how'd you know that <laughs> okay she, she didn't say she just asked how he knew that. And Shiratori says there's smeared blood on the bookshelf, which means that something was taped there. And it was there that he put a nail that was then attached to the string. By doing that, the string would detach as the shelf fell, and it would retract to the bike's pedals. Wound up that the nail connected to the aerobic bike was actually placed by the wife, and that her blood being there is purely by coincidence. Did you really understand that part, why she put the nail there? Because I did not. <laughs> No. Um, now that I'm looking at it, no. 
the string that's attached to the... Oh, okay. So I, I looked at the manga really quick. So it seems that she was placing like a little... Uh, so the sign says like down two kilograms on it. So I think she was like marking her weight loss progress. Oh, so that's and what she it had, was about. So she was hanging a little sign there. So Yeah, because... There we go. Uh, who was it? I can't remember which character. Sure, Tori held yes. up a sign, but you couldn't really. Re- we don't read Japanese, <laughs> so we had no clue what it was. But I can see two kilograms. That's what I saw as well, and I was just like, the manga. So what was that for? Like they didn't really explain that part. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I think that's what it is. So that makes sense. Kaizu then admits to the crime and says that he practiced the trick many times to perfect the angle. And he only removed the nail this afternoon as a precaution. Instead, it became a clue that led to his arrest. I guess he had time to practice it while his wife was out partying with her friends. Yeah. Drinking, yeah. Says that he killed his wife for the insurance payout, which he needed after the bank robbery. And so this was the part where I thought my um, subs were, like, completely off. Because I had read, cause I'd read like, the a part of the, like, wiki about, like, why he did it. And so I was like, wait, that's not remotely accurate. And then Sate, like, five seconds later, she's like, that's not true. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Good thing she was there to save the day. Yeah, Sate, she saves the day. She says, that's actually a lie, and that the bank manager actually planned the bank heist. Unfortunately for him, his wife came by, and his accomplices accidentally took her hostage. He later realized his wife could identify his associates, which is why he killed her. That's also why a new hostage, which wound up being Megary's wife, was taken mid-heist. Sato brings up the picture book from earlier and says the wife was going to bring it to the police. She mentions that Conan has been holding it for a while. And that's when we see a little quick flash forward two hours later where the police arrest the two robbers. Who are just like joyfully counting money. Like, they couldn't be happier. I want to be that happy one day. They're just like, ooh, money, 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 ooh. Yeah. And then the police bust in. That's so, that's too bad. The crime don't pay. So both cases were solved at once, and uh, Kaizo later said that he committed the robbery so he could afford his wife's luxurious spending, and then he wound up killing her over money. So, wow, wow. Wow, the irony. So are you still looking for a woman like her? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> just, just checking. After the ending song, we see Superintendent Masimoto who we previously seen in episode 18, a June Brad murder case. He's the guy, with the big scary guy with the big scar, uh, scar yeah. on his face. He's cool. Yeah, he's like surprisingly cool. He's surprisingly nice. And he's praising Shiratori on solving a case right after being promoted. However, he says not to praise him. And you think he's going to be humble here for a second. But instead <laughs> he goes the complete opposite direction. He's like, he goes, such simple matters hardly require my attention. After the guy was wrong for 90% of the episode? Yeah. It's like, God, you're such a dickhead. <laughs> That's when Sate chimes in and she says all those matters were actually solved by Conan, who she has in her, yeah. her arms, and she just lifts him up. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. She says he's quite knowledgeable, and even Shiratori admits it. He says, children see things differently. That's how they notice things that we don't. See, okay. Except he's not a child. No. Well, I mean, he's whatever 17 but um like even when shiratori says that i don't even feel like he's admitting that he did anything more like conan did anything more it's just like oh yes well obviously he was able to notice things because he's a child and it's not i didn't feel like it was like some true praise yeah yeah i completely agree with you there 
Sate says it's late and Takagi is about to ask her out for dinner when Shiratori invites her to a classy French restaurant. He says the chef is three stars. <laughs> oh, only three stars, Shiratori? Oh, is that bad? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> What's... Doesn't it go to... Doesn't it go higher? I don't, I don't know the job, but it might be different in Japan. Yeah, but it's a... Okay, whatever. <laughs> maybe maybe they go to four stars. I know a lot of places, they used to use four stars rather than okay. five. Unless we're talking like Michelin stars, so three would be high. Anyways, doesn't matter. Is that tires? Why, why, why are you comparing French pastries to tires? Home? Isn't that a thing that chefs have? Like... Ooh, like, doesn't Gordon Ramsay have, like, two Michelin stars or something? Wait, Michelin? Like it, the... it, might have been, it might be spelt the same way as the tire. Oh, no, you're right. Michelin star restaurant. Oh, three. Okay, those are three stars. So. Yeah. All right. So, so well, there we go. Three stars. See, that's why I'm like, mm, I guess they're talking about Michelin stars because that's three would be high. One star signifies a very good restaurant. Two stars are excellent cooking that is worth a detour. And three stars mean exceptional cuisine that is worth a special journey <laughs> is that what it actually says <laughs> yeah guess how many michelin's three-star restaurants are in the great country of the united states Ooh, um i mean you guys have a lot of people so i don't know like let's go with 10 see i was gonna do canada but you're not I listed on wikipedia <laughs> yeah. let's not bother with that so the three-starred ones in the United States, we have Alania in Chicago, Single Thread in California, Jewel Reboken in Las Vegas. Oh, I mean, you know, who gives a shit? Let me just <laughs> do the number. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So 15. Okay. And I assume... Shout out to... Shout out to those places. Yeah, shout out to them. So, this was a three-star Michelin thing. So, you've never been? I've never been to any of those. So, Japan has a ton, actually. So, Japan has... So, we can we can learn, we can can narrow this down to about 25 restaurants of where he was going to take her. Man, she kind of seems like the worst for declining this date when he was going to take her to this... Is worth a special journey towards, <laughs> you know? Yeah, she's so ungrateful. Yeah, she passes on it. She says she doesn't like French food. And Shiratori just leaves. He's like, well, I'm going. <laughs> I know. He, like, slumps over and, like, well, okay. Like, what? <laughs> like, if she says no to the French restaurant, try again with something else. Like, what's he doing? Well, he has a reservation. He wants to go there. <laughs> but, I don't know. If he really cared about going out with uh, Sato, like, he would have changed his plans. But, obviously not. He's not going to lower his standards, <laughs> Colin, and he got a two-star restaurant merely worth a detour heaven forbid takagi asks why she doesn't like french food and she says she's actually okay with all foods she just doesn't like expensive restaurants like that she then invites takagi to a nearby ramen shop and he's all hyped up but that's when the real g <laughs> inspector Megary appears and he asks them to go out for a drink instead and he's all drunk already yeah she she agrees to go with them and that's when Takagi fears that Sato actually likes Megari. And he's like, oh no. And so he turns down going drinking. And later that night, we see Takagi sitting depressed at his desk as the kids ask him to take their testimony as it's already 8 p.m. And Conan just laughs and says that he's hopeless, which is very true. And so begins the saga of the Metropolitan Police love stories. <laughs> yep, between Megari cheating on his wife with Sato. <laughs> Yes, obviously. There's your one true pairing. For sure, for sure. And the uh, 
What'd you think about this uh, two-parter with Takagi getting a starring role for once? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think this. No, no. I'm shocked. <laughs> this, yeah, that comment was as shocking as who the culprit was, right? Um, I, uh, I think this was the f- the first case where I really started noticing Takagi, and my love for him grew because earlier on, especially in the dub, uh, he's like he's just sort of there. He's kind of wallflowerish. Um, but yeah, it's really from this point on that I think they start giving him bigger roles and they make his, uh, parts in the investigations, even with Megri, more comical. So he really stood out for me. Um, the case itself, like we talked about, has some flaws, but overall I thought it was enjoyable. Um, I like that we got introduced, like, officially, I guess, the anime, to the anime Shiratori. We saw Sato again, which is great. Yumi um, got, like, a little bit of a introduction. <laughs> like, it was more of, like, I know, right? And so that didn't technically go anywhere. Like, I think, does that not continue? Like, her, like, oh, I heard that Sato likes somebody in the division. I guess that just continues on, because we didn't, we didn't really get a resolution here, but... Um, well, Takagi thinks it's Megri, but <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I liked it. It was kind of like a change of pace too, because we got to see, um, rather than the classic, like Conan with Kogoro and sleeping Kogoro and whatnot, we got to see the officers actually take more of a lead in the, the investigation. And Conan was there sort of almost like just like the little, um, I don't know how to, what, how to describe him, like the little fairy kind of just putting clues everywhere like oh what about this and what about that yeah he was like a hint dispenser and it was nice to see some competent people and he didn't have to resort to knocking somebody out for a change exactly um and i think that it served as a really good way to uh learn about sort of these officers capabilities and their personalities how they would go about an investigation um so yeah i thought it was refreshing in that in that way um, the case, like the it, the episode wasn't very action heavy at all. Like the most action part was probably Sato driving to the the house, but um, like I still thought it was good, even though they were just sort of standing in a room the entire time del- deliberating uh, about how the murder happened. So overall, I liked it, despite its flaws, and uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was fun. Yeah, it's a very different case. I think it's very character focused and. Uh... In that, I think it's a huge success because it really gives Takagi and Sato their own characters. And before that, Sato was like, in a, you know, like a tough... We only saw her once before and she had like an impressive, you know, martial arts skill. But we didn't learn anything about her. She didn't really have any personality. And Takagi's always been mostly in the background. And uh, sometimes he get, get banged up and it was, <laughs> look at that dumbass. But he wasn't really doing too much. But it was nice to see him in the leading role, even though... uh He's going to die a loveless death. But uh, other than that... <laughs> Spoilers! No, no, I, I like Takagi. It's just, I don't like that you like him. <laughs> yeah, like, that's a big problem. Do you not like that I like Shinichi too? Well, that's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just checking. Not that it matters, I guess. I I did not like seeing Detective Yamamoto's ugly face in Oh man. Kobayashi looks like more of a criminal than anybody they arrest. Doesn't he look like that guy that 
There's like a few episodes with him where he's just like wandering around. He's like a, I don't know, is, is he a serial killer? He's the guy that like stabs Conan in one episode. Oh yeah, he does look like him. Yeah, he does really look like him. That's really funny. I'm actually gonna check if Yamamoto's in any other episodes. He is. He's in quite a few episodes. Fourteen episodes. Okay. Oh, sorry. That was Kobayashi. Let me check Yamamoto. Yamamoto is in nine episodes and two movies. Huh. He was in the third movie. Look at that. I don't remember him. Have we done the third movie? Yeah. Oh, wait. We have. Oh, wow. The more you know. Last Wizard of the Century. Yeah, I don't remember him either. He's probably like in that group of officers. They're all like, Kaito Kid has been in friends. I'm shocked I didn't mention how ugly he was, though. Like, that surprises me. I feel like I would have brought that up. He's so ugly. Oh, I... (laughs) You mean us. I thought you meant like one of the characters <laughs> would say that. <laughs> they should have mentioned it too. Like, that just shows how unrealistic this police force is if they're not constantly calling him ugly. But yeah, I thought the episode was really solid and you know, I really liked it. Next Conan's hint is camera case. So be on the lookout for a camera case. And next week we're going to do episode 148, the streetcar's sudden stopping case. And I'm going to talk to you, Colleen about detective conan uno oh okay yeah this is gonna be good what do you what do you want to say you excited yeah i like uno i like detective conan what more can i ask for yeah next week detective conan uno we'll get the deep dive oh we're gonna play we're gonna play on air <laughs> how do how do you play Uno virtually colleen you, you would need your own deck I do have my own deck of Uno. It's not Detective Conan branded, but... <laughs> well, you you need to spend $15 on Amazon and get the uh, Detective Conan uh, Uno set if you want to be cool like me. <laughs> That's right. Why have I not invested in this yet? I want to be cool like Tyler. So if you're, ever, if you're wondering where the Patreon money goes, it went to me buying this Uno set. It's, it goes to children's card games. Yes, so but Detective Conan branded car games. So we'll talk about that next week and the streetcar sudden stopping case. You can uh, find the podcast all over. We're on Twitter at case underscore reopened. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash case underscore reopened. Or wait, no, it's uh, just uh, patreon.com slash case reopened. No underscore. So yeah, uh, give us your money if you want. If not, that's cool too. We uh, appreciate all the love. You can also support us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out a lot. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for listening. And remember, one truth always prevails.